at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! 40 greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Mark Bill Yabro filling in for Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the July 19th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Let's hit the track with the latest on the World Athletic Championships going on in Eugene, Oregon this week. Taking a quick look at Monday's action, Ethiopian Gitom Gibralasi survived a two-way battle with Kenyan Judith Career to win the Women's World Marathon title and championship record time on Monday in 2 hours 18 and 11. Israeli Lona Salpeter seized a chance for the third spot on the podium after Ethiopian Abel Yeshene fell off the lead pack with less than 10 kilometers to go. Kenyan Ruth Chibgetich won three years ago, but dropped out at around the 18-kilometer mark due to stomach issues. Kenya's Faith Kipyogin stormed to victory late on Monday, winning the 1,500-meter gold. Kipyogin, winner of the last two Olympic 1,500-meter titles, finished with a remarkable time of 3 minutes and 52 seconds. Ethiopia's Gudef Sagai took silver, while British runner Laura Muir won bronze. Kip Yogan, who took gold in 2017 and silver in 2019, said regaining her crown means a lot. Ooh, I'm so excited uh, to be a uh, many times champion in 1500. It's not uh, something easy, but I really thank God. I really thank people around me. I thank my management. I thank my coach. I thank my husband, my daughter as well. I really, really am so grateful. In men's 3,000-meter steeplechase, Moroccan Sufyan El-Bakali won, pulling away with 8 minutes and 25 seconds to add a world gold to the Olympics gold he took in Tokyo last year. Second place went to Ethiopia's Lemeksha Girmay and Kenya's Kansalas Kiprutu took the bronze. Oui, parce que jamais un athlète marocain gagne le titre. Speaking in French, El Bakali says a Moroccan athlete has never been a world champion or an Olympic gold medalist. A European has never beaten a Kenyan in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. He says he has beaten the Kenyans in Tokyo and again in Eugene. Tonight's action includes the men's 400-meter hurdles final, the men's 1,500-meters final, and the women's 200 semifinal. Among the teams competing is the refugee Olympic team. Its members are all refugees and unable to compete for their countries of birth. Journalist Prince Nesta has spoken with some of the team members and we will be airing those interviews this week. Today we have part one of the conversation with Angela Nadai Lohalith, originally from South Sudan who grew up in the Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya. She competed in the 1500 meter at the world championships but didn't qualify for the finals. I have been in Kenya most of my life. I think I grew up there as a refugee in Kakuma refugee camp, which is in Kenya. And I left South Sudan in 2002, yeah, 2002 December. That was the time I left South Sudan until this moment. I have never been there. Where were you born in South Sudan? I was born 1st of uh, January in 1995. I was born in a place called Horubiri, uh, near town Chugudum inside of Eastern Equatoria. Our listeners would like to know your story because in order for us to tell them where you are today and what you do today, it's important to understand the past also. So how did you end up in, um, you know, Kenya uh, from South Sudan? 
as I said, elections are done in two or two. Uh, we had a conflict between inter-community uh, inter and whereby the war broke out. And I could not even remember clearly because that time I was very young. Uh, at the age of maybe, I can't recall it very well, maybe let's say seven to eight years old. That was in 1999 when the war broke out. And since like from 1999 to, to 2002, things were not that well. And there were so many insecurity places. So in 2001, that was when I have one of my aunt was a close relative to me. She came and rescued most of the young boys and girls to come to Kakuma, at least maybe to get a safe place and to get a chance to go to school in Kakuma refugee camp. And I, I managed to be one of them to, to join the group. And leaving my parents behind and all my siblings because I knew that maybe after that moment, maybe they might, they might follow me behind. But I didn't know that I will stay like almost uh, 18 years. I haven't able to meet them. Until in 2019, that was the time I was able to meet with my parents after all that period of time. Wow, that's a powerful story. And how are your parents doing? Right now they are, they are doing great. You know, after the moment I met with them and met with them live, 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 for me it was like a miracle because I have been still like most of the years. I have been growing up alone without seeing them. But the moment I met with them, I could not even explain my feelings. And right now you're currently living in Kenya. You are here for the World Athletics Championships. What's the difference like, you know, here in the United States and Kenya? You know, if I compare here and Kenya, it's almost the same because of the weather. It's almost the same, hot just like in Kenya. Though at the moment in Kenya it's winter time, but some of the some part of the Kenya it is very hot, and um, I enjoy the environment. Mm. Yeah, you enjoy the environment. Yeah. How did you end up running as an athlete? You know, maybe let me say uh, it is a long story. First of all, I can say maybe I start running when I was still very young. I have been running. Let me say I have been running from the. I have been running away from the punishment of my mom. Because, for example, when my mom sent me somewhere or maybe sent me to pick something, every time I would just start running to get it and bring it back to her before the time reached. So I don't like, I don't like punishment. <laughs> so from that time, I used to run. When she sent me, I would always go very fast and come back and come back early. Until now, in, when the walk broke out, I ran from safety, from protection to the the camp so that that means that there are so many reasons for me to run i run for the safety and now i run for the competition because first i didn't know more about the running i remember very well when i was in primary school most of the time the teachers will come and ask uh, who want to represent the school because you know in primary school uh, we don't used to have time for training but most of the time they have like term one, term two, and term three. And in term one, they used to have a competition for athletics. So what they always do in our school, what they always do when it reached that time, let's say, for example, one week to the games, they'll come and say, 
do the training tomorrow. We are going to have a trial today. Whoever wins will go and represent the school. So I always find myself to join the group and do the selection. So that is what I realized that I love. Anytime there is a selection, I will just join and represent my school. So when I was doing like this, so I used to go from, you know, after being selected, you will stand from maybe provision, from district, uh, subdivision, and then you reach to the district and division, then national. So this process, I always find myself that I was going through until I reached the provision. You know, now when you reach to the provision, you are selected for the, for the national. Whereby when you reach the national, you will now find those people who have been in the training camps. So for me, it was so hard to proceed to a national. So that is what I have been doing, like several times until I was done with my my primary certificate. So the moment I, I joined high school, I love uh, sports so much because even when I was in primary, I could not even, even if there is football, I will just go and play football. If there is volleyball, I will join. So I don't just like, I don't like to be so idle. Yeah, and so I always like to be, <laughs> I always like to do something uh, so that if the day end, I have to know why did it end? Mm. Was it for some reason? What was I doing before the day end? So even if there is a music festival, I will join. Even if I don't have a, a good, good voice. Yeah, good voice to sing, but I will struggle to, as long as I can pronounce some of the words. What, what are some of your favorite musicians that you listen to? Uh, maybe let me say, I don't have the specific musician, but I always just listen to any song. If it have a good message, then I just love it. Oh, fantastic. But mostly, let me say, I, I love reggae, gospel song, bongo, R&B. So almost general music. You specialize in the 1500 meters. Why 1500 meters? Uh, you know the time when we were given the uh, trial in Kakumar Fijikam for the first time by Tekla Lorupe, working together with UNCR and LWF to select the team which was brought to Nairobi, Kenya for a train. I didn't know more about running, but the time in 2015 when we joined the camp, so we were just given a random training. We couldn't, we won, we couldn't know if you are good in 815, but thank God enough, we had a coach. We were brought the coach, then the coach will come and give us the trial after some training and tell us this is what you can do better. In this distance, 815, and that is what he told me that you have to train for 15. Maybe you might do it better. Mm. Yeah, but I feel like I can, I can go for more, not just only in 15. As long as you are a runner, you know you can go for any, especially when you are middle distance, you can even proceed to the long distance. Incredible. And so um, as time goes, do you think possibly you're looking to transition from possibly 1,500 meters to other long distance or middle distance run? In fact, I have already been competing road days, mm -hmm. like in 10 kilometers, though I have not... I have not put a lot of uh, effort on training for the 10 kilometer because I was still told to focus on the 1500 because sometimes it is hard to mix a road race and fill them. But to me, I have that desire. I have that call that I can do very well in long distance. And that is also my plan. If I go back from next year, I'll be trying to mix, uh, to get endurance in 5,000 or maybe 10,000. Then also I come to 15 because I felt they are they can share both. They like uh, 
speed endurance and endurance. Thanks, Prince Nesta. And the sunny side of sports wishes the best of luck to Angela Nadai Lohalith and all the other competitors on the World Refugee Team. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on VOA. I am Muck Bill Yabaro sitting in for Sonny Young. Don't forget, you can catch all your favorite VOA programs on voaafrica.com. And for world news, you can check out voanews.com. Let's catch up with the latest big news in soccer. South Africa and host Morocco are preparing for the finals of the Women's Africa Cup of Nations football tournament in Morocco. Morocco defeated defending champion Nigeria 5-4 on penalties to qualify for the final of the 12th edition of the tournament. The two sides had played 1-1 at full time and extra time. Two Nigerian players were sent off for rough play. Morocco will meet South Africa in the final of the tournament on Saturday, while Nigeria plays Zambia for third place on Friday. Jennifer Okoye is a former media officer of Nigeria's national under-17 women's football team. She spoke to Iron Mike Mbonye about Nigeria's matchup with Morocco. She says though Morocco won the game, the Nigerian team reduced to nine players, did well to hold on until extra time. I must tell you that since I started watching the Super Falcons of Nigeria, yesterday was the day I was fully impressed. I can't say anything. I mean, when I say anything, any single thing against the Super Falcons... I mean, look at uh, an 11-man score that was reduced by two players, and they held on for over 60 minutes until the penalty shootout. So anybody, I mean, the way I'll look at this game and the team, they did absolutely wonderful. They did excellently well. It was unfortunate that everything didn't work for the Super Falcons of Nigeria, but this team held it from the beginning to the end. It was a, a regional, or a, if you remember during the qualification, this is what I think. You, some of the big teams, the, the, the players, the team that they played. But the Super Falcons, for instance, they played one of I mean, the top uh, teams in Africa to qualify. They played against Ghana. They played against uh, Ivory Coast. So if you look at it, it seems that they, everything was working against the Super Falcons of Nigeria right from the ongoing. They felt that winning this trophy for, the, for nine times and then going for the tenth time, that it, it's not supposed to be so. So everything was working against the Super Falcons of Nigeria. One thing I know is that 
the players they gave their all they gave everything that is supposed to be given out in a team in a game of 90 minutes in fact in a game of 120 minutes and then to penalty and they did so well it was just that one mistake that gave it to the Moroccans honestly you need to see and feel the hostility of the host nation on uh, I mean the, the semi-final day on Monday What's also your assessment of the games played so far in the Women's Africa Cup of Nations football tournament? Well, for my assessment of the games played so far in this tournament, I would say that one of the things, that one of the biggest mistakes that has actually taken place in this uh, competition is the referees. The officiating has been so poor. You know, you just ask yourself, is this an international competition? What is really going on? You know, I'm looking forward to the game between uh, the Moroccans and South Africa, the final game, because I know that they will try as much as possible to play out what, what they did against uh, uh, the Super Falcons of Nigeria. But I believe that it's not going to work out for them. So far, so good. I don't think uh, what I've seen so far in this uh, uh, competition, especially the officiating, I don't think uh, it's something I can really beat my chest and say that they have uh, actually uh, done so well. Well, the, the, the teams uh, have been so... Uh, one of the teams, I would say that they have really uh, given it all and they deserve the trophy is South Africa. South Africa has done so well, and I hope that what happened between Nigeria and Morocco will not happen between uh, South Africa and Morocco. Because yesterday, you need to see what happened. In fact, at the, towards the tail end of that game, they were being very hostile. In fact, if the Super Falcons of Nigeria had won that game, honestly, every Nigerian, we would have been inside that stadium until they break. Because nobody would there to step out. The stadium was filled to capacity from the beginning. I mean, for every seat was occupied. Outside was jam-packed with people. You know, I know that they, 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 everything worked uh, in their favor. And uh, my assessment for the games played so far, so far so good. But honestly, I am not impressed with the refereeing, uh, refereeing situation of this tournament. It's so poor. It's so poor. Very, very, very poor. That was Jennifer Oko former media officer of Nigeria's national under-17 women's football team. She spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on telephone from Rabat, Morocco. All four teams in the semifinals have qualified to represent Africa in next year's FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Staying on the pitch, Alex Morgan scored on a penalty kick in the 78th minute as the U.S. women's national team qualified for the 2024 Monday night. The Americans clinched the Olympic slot by defeating Canada 1-0 in the final of the CONCACAF Women's Championship in Guadalupe, Mexico. Canada will play the tourney's third-place team Jamaica in a September 2023 playoff to determine CONCACAF's Sunday representative in the Paris Olympics. The U.S., Canada, Jamaica, and Costa Rica already qualified for the 2023 World Cup. Co-hosted by Australia and New Zealand, the U.S. is the two-time defending World Cup champion. 
Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including jury selection began in the trial of Steve Bannon, an advisor to former President Donald Trump, who was facing charges of contempt of Congress. The charges stem from Bannon's refusal to testify before the Congressional Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. The head of the Confederation of African Football, CAF, says the organization looks forward to supporting a joint bid by Uganda and Tanzania to host the 2027 African Cup of Nations tournament. Magume Davis Rakuringi has more from Kampala. Patrice Mosepe said he was impressed with the development of football in the region, both on pitch and off pitch. The president of the Confederation of African Football also said he would be willing to back a former bid from Uganda and Tanzania for the 2027 African Cup of Nations finals. AFCON is the biggest sports event on the continent. I would be so proud uh, to accept a formal bid from, from my brother and from the head of state and my other brother and his head of state. You know, the whole world will be watching football uh, and of course, we've got to go through the processes, as I said. But I, I, uh, I, I personally encourage both Tanzania and, and Uganda. Motsepe made the comments while visiting Uganda last week. The CAF president said hosting Africa's biggest sporting event would boost trade, business and tourism, and would promote football development in the region. A specialized committee conducts the bidding process and approves on behalf of CAF. Among the requirements to host AFCON is that the country or countries should have high-end facilities such as five-star hotels and good roads. The winning countries also must have at least six large stadiums. Uganda has only one FIFA-approved stadium. No member of the Council for East and Central Africa Football Associations, or SECAFA, has ever hosted the AFCON finals. During his visit, Motsepe met with top government officials including President Yorim Seven. Moses Magogo, the Ghana Football Association president, said he thinks Motsepe's visit will help advocate for better resources for football in the country. Every time you have an opportunity to talk about football with our own president has always been productive. The first time we were talking about football, he was able to start supporting us from his own budget, and that's the, the state house budget. Eventually, it came into allocation of resources in the national budget. Eventually, even the funds have actually increased, Mr. President, on not only football, but now cut across even other sports federations. Uganda's sports budget this financial year increased from 18 billion Uganda shillings to 47 billion shillings, or about $12 million. Magogo also said that President Museven had given a green light for the country to bid for co-hosting AFCON alongside neighboring Tanzania. During his visit, Motsepe also defended postponing the 2023 AFCON never cost 2024. This is a prime competition where we show the best of the world, the best of African football. And uh, the expert advice was the, 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 there were going to be big problems with, with the rain. So we moved it to uh, January, February 2024. The, the leadership of Cordova, the stadiums, the infrastructure, the hotels. I'm so happy with the progress that's been made. Motsepe also praised Dennis Onyango, the former Uganda captain and goalkeeper for South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns.
He said Uganda has many other talented footballers just like the 2016 African Player of the Year. For the Sunny Side of Sports, I am Mugume, Devs Ruakarinjin Kampala, Uganda. Thanks, Mugume. Now let's catch up with a bit of cricket news. Zimbabwe's national men's cricket team's T20 World Cup qualifications has given the nation something to be happy about amid the gloom caused by economic problems and little achievement in other sports. From Bulawayo, reporter Kutzenai Muzengi brings us more. After six years in limbo, the Zimbabwe men's cricket team qualified for the T20 World Cup in Australia in October, beating all their opponents in the qualifiers which ended Sunday. The Zimbabwe cricket side, known as the Chevrons, will play against Ireland, Scotland and the West Indies in group play in Australia. The team clinched its World Cup appearance by beating the Netherlands in Zimbabwe's second biggest city, Bulawayo. The Dutch also qualified for Australia as the second place team in the qualifiers. Zimbabwe's advance gives the sports-loving nation something to cheer about at a time when soccer, the most popular sport in the country, is in doldrums. A resurgent national rugby team recently failed to qualify for the 2023 World Cup after a loss to Namibia quashed the dream of qualifying for Zimbabwe's first rugby World Cup since 1991. Lawyer Taurai Murewa is among thousands of fans happy to have witnessed Zimbabwe's victory. Growing up, I was a cricket fan, but there was a time when we were losing a lot. And I felt like, for now, let me pack it. But now the cricket team is back online. Uh, we just have to support them. I wish in the future we can have it as we were having it uh, in the previous years where you see this kind of sport being played in schools, in the streets. Even growing up, we used to play cricket in the streets. We're looking forward to that. Mrewa's friend and fellow attorney, Caleb Mcheche told VOA that Zimbabwe's final match was the first cricket game he had watched live and he was happy to be part of the momentous occasion. It's a wonderful experience. We are quite uh, elated to see our national team flying high our national flag. And I'm quite impressed by the member of the crowd here that is actually cheering our national team and also trying to encourage our team to play well. The Chevrons last participated in a major International Cricket Council event at the T20 Cup in India in 2016 where they were eliminated in the first round. T20 or 2020 cricket is a shortened form of the game with matches lasting typically around three hours compared with six hours or more for regular matches. Zimbabwe's sports scene has been gloomy for the past several years. Some fans say the country's lack of international success is the result of underfunding, mismanagement and corruption. The situation has been compounded by the worsening economic problems in the country with galloping inflation eroding incomes. David Coltart is a former education and sports minister and a member of the opposition Citizens Coalition for Change. He says Zimbabwe has always been full of excellent sports talent, but that it has been, quote, squandered on partisan interest, end quote. Colter told VOA that in most of Zimbabwe's sports, problems arise from unnecessary interference by politicians. To be blunt, you've got people in administration who don't know the game, who don't love the game, who are not there for the game. And it's reflected in our performance. And that has to go in cricket, in football as well. Politics should stay out of sport. Uh, What we need are 
people who have got a demonstrable talent in sport involved in administration and particularly in selection. Finance Minister Mtulingwebe also attended the cricket match and officiated at the awards ceremony amid booing from part of the crowd. Asked for his comment on claims that government is not doing enough to fund sports programs, Ngobe told VOA that the performance by the Chevrons gives government the impetus to support sports. This is the way to go. And sport goes beyond just mere sport. It is uh, also sports diplomacy in a way. Cricket is the largest foreign currency in the sports category for the country. So you see us as government commit more towards funding sport. Members of Zimbabwe's various national teams, especially soccer, have sometimes had to strike after not having been paid. So many have doubts the government can live up to the finance minister's pledge. Reporting for VOA from Lawayo, I am Kudzanai Musengi. Thanks, Kudzanai. Looking down the road, sports fans will want to mark their calendar for July 14th, 2028, the starting date for the Los Angeles Olympic Games. The city also hosts the Paralympic Games beginning on August 14th, 2028. Officials made the announcement Monday at Exposition Park in Los Angeles, the home for the Olympics in 1932 and 1984. Turning on the horsepower in Formula One racing, Aston Martin is bringing back a blast from the past to celebrate 100 years at the French Grand Prix. Ahead of Sunday's race, four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel will take the team's original car, TT1, affectionately known as Green P, for a celebratory lap. The car first raced in 1922. The TT1 cars were built by founder Lionel Martin following a commission by wealthy young motor racing driver and pioneer Count Louis Zabrowski. Vettel says he's very excited to put Green P through its paces. Well, I think it's going to be very, very special. I mean, first of all, it's great to, to find out or to know that this car is still alive, it still runs, and, um, you know, it's in such, in such good shape. Obviously, the, the history, uh, the car is, you know, now about 100 years old, so um, it's, it's crazy to imagine um, how long it's been around, and, um, but great to, to see that, you know, it's still there, and um, I'm very much looking forward to get behind the wheel. I guess it will be very, very different to what I'm used to. But, um, yeah, that's the whole, whole idea of it, to um, really try and link, you know, the stories of current and, uh, let's say, the, the beginning. So I'm definitely very excited. And that's a wrap for the July 19th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I am Muckbill Yabarro filling in for Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.